Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome back to another episode of This Poor Pastor's Podcast. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore, I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I want to do something big and something important. I'm not like you. I'm nothing. Just let me be nothing. So where does the power come from to see the race to its end? I believe God made me for a purpose. If you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run a straight race. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. Welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Well, hey, everybody, it's Monday. It's also spring break for all four of my children. So with my wife working full-time, I am doing double duty. I'm doing daddy duty. (laughs) I said duty. I'm doing dad duty, and I'm doing uh, pastor duty. And um, I never thought I'd say duty so many times in one episode, but (laughs) there you go. Uh, So I'm getting at this uh, Monday episode a little bit later than I normally would. I think I did the same thing last week, but I had to uh, get some time away uh, to get over to the office to record this because I didn't think about it far enough in advance. And that's uh, that's the kind of organizational skills that I possess. I know you're impressed. Well, I want to talk to you about missions today on this episode. I hope you'll stick with me. The process of biblical missions is at the heart of the New Testament church. Do you agree with that? I mean, the Great Commission, uh, getting the gospel out to the world, telling the lost about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can't think of anything more fundamental to our mission. A lot of churches come up with mission statements. Well, One of the most fundamental missions of the church is getting the gospel to the world. Now, we love each other, we preach preach the word, we edify one another, all those things in the context of the body, but a healthy body is going to be going out and uh, sharing the gospel, sharing Christ with the community in which it exists. And then, as is patterned in the book of Acts, I think we're going to be partnering with people to go into other parts of our own nation and then other parts of the world to share the gospel. And I love to talk to people about their missions program because people do it differently, even across denominational lines. And within my denomination, within my Baptist heritage, there are different ways in which uh, churches accomplish what they see as their responsibility in uh, biblical missions. In my independent Baptist background, what was what was very popular, which I wasn't introduced to until I was about the age of 14 years of age, um, but it was the faith promise missions model. Now, if you don't know what that is, let me explain very quickly. 
uh, every year, at least once a year, a church will have a missions conference, and they'll have missionaries come in, either missionaries that are already uh, supported on a monthly basis or missionaries who are seeking support. And at the end of that missions conference, commitment cards, faith promise commitment cards will be handed out, and church members will be encouraged to fill out a commitment that by faith they are going to give above and beyond their regular giving to the missions program. So the missions program outside of that local church is funded by above-budget monies, money given above the general tithes and offerings. So I've heard this explained as, well, the tithe belongs to the church and faith promises for missions. So that's the program. And I participated in that program for a lot of years, from the time I was a teenager, um, all the way through the first 10 years of, uh, of my pastoral ministry. But probably about six years into pastoring, I began to wonder if there wasn't a different way we could go about doing uh, missions. Because with the Faith Promise Missions model, what I found out was that you had this two-tiered giving system, where only those who cared about missionaries or who could be guilted and arm-twisted, and trust me, there is a lot of guilting and arm-twisting that goes into faith promise giving. Things like you're supposed to raise it every year, um, more than you gave last year, that if you do it right, God will bless you, uh, and, and, you know, I, I mean, there's just a lot of pressure and a lot of arm-twisting. There has to be, because in order to take on more missionaries, you have to increase your faith promise giving. Missionaries within the faith promise system rarely receive an increase in the uh, their monthly giving, but as the giving increases, then the number of missionaries can be uh, increased as well. And faith promise missions giving can be anywhere from $10 per missionary per month to $25 per month to $50, $75, $100, but it's rarely uh, a very large amount because if we can if we can spread our money out as the as the mentality goes, you know, $25, $50, $100 a month per missions, $100 per missionary per month is actually pretty generous. Now, you may be listening, and, and your church may do a Faith Promise Missions model, and they may give more than $100 a month. I just know that most, according to the missionaries I've talked to within that system, most churches, you know, between $25 and $75 a month is, is a pretty average monthly giving. So each year, if you can get people to give more, and it's usually the same people every year, if new people have been added to the church and they want to participate in faith promise giving, then that can be added to. But essentially, people are giving more and more and more of their income to faith promise giving so you can take on more and more missionaries. Then the problem comes is if the church has a downturn and people cannot give their faith promise commitments any longer, then the church is faced, as we struggled with uh, from time to time, what do we do? Do we uh, keep supporting our missionaries and take it from the general fund, or do we send off our missionaries and say, hey, we don't have enough money to support you all this month, so we can't write those checks? I've been in services where the pastor had to stand up and say, we don't have the money to meet our faith promise commitments this month, so we got to take up an extra offering and a special offering and to keep on doing it because we've made these commitments to the missionaries. This led to a lot of stress in my ministry. Um, it also, as I said, led to this two-tiered system. I'm not saying it's a wrong system. I'm just saying some of the frustrations that I had with it. Uh, in that, um, you know, we had a, a small segment of people who gave to Faith Promise Giving, and then everyone else who gave, when they put money in the offering plate, it went to the general fund of the church, but missions was this separate entity over here. And I began to think, 
Why is missions a separate entity of the ministry of our church when missions should be at the heart, the very foundation of what we do? So what I tried to do was I tried to encourage our church, hey, let's start designating a certain percentage of our general fund to go towards missions as well. And this can help supplement when we have these uh, low months in faith promise giving. Um, and then eventually, maybe we can do away with faith promise altogether. Very hard to make that transition, especially when missionaries were already depending upon a certain amount of money that we had. So I don't think we ever got more than 1% or 2% of our general fund giving designated uh, to missions. But um, what did happen is uh, when I came to uh, Second Baptist uh, here in Maine, I found out that they had, had a completely different missions model that was essentially the kind of model that I had been looking to, to have. They didn't do faith promise. They already had set up the model that I was trying to move us towards in my previous church, and that is this. A percentage of general fund giving is allocated of, from every dollar that comes in non-designated. So, you know, if, if, if you don't have designated funds and everything's just general fund giving, then a percentage of that goes to missions. Uh, um, at the time when I came here, there were 10 missionary slots, um, and I won't go into great detail. Let me make it simple so that you can understand it, although it's gotten a little bit more complicated than that now, but let's say 10 missionary slots, one slot per missionary. Um, home missionaries, if someone was a missionary out of our church, they got two slots, so we had a couple that were that way, but let's just say one slot per missionary, and we were at 23%, so 23 cents on every dollar when I came five years ago, um, was uh, every month, 23% of the offering was taken and divided up 10 ways and sent out to our missionaries. So if we had a really good month, missionaries got blessed with even more giving. And if our, if our offerings were down, then the missionaries got a little bit less. And I know I can hear people saying that, well, missionaries got to know what to depend on. It pretty much what I saw over the next couple of years is it pretty much averaged out over the years. So missionaries could figure on, uh, on an average income. Again, no system is perfect, but I liked this one. Over the course of five years now, we've raised our percentage to 27%. So we've raised it four percentage points. So currently, 27 cents on every dollar that is given in tithes and offerings goes to our missionaries. We've also increased our missionary slots from 10 to 12 and taken on some new missionaries. Here's why I like this system. I like this system because... It means everyone, every man, woman, boy, and girl who puts a dollar in the offering plate is participating in our missions program. Every visitor who comes and, and drops money in the offering plate is participating in the missions program. Every church member who, you know, the Sunday morning only crowd, but they give, they're participating. Uh, no matter when they come, how often they come, if somebody puts money in the offering plate, 27 cents of it, of every dollar goes to our missionaries. And so our missionaries uh, get on average between $250 and $300 a month. We have 12 slots. And that's a pretty significant, now it varies from month to month, but it's pretty significant. Do you know one of the things that this does once our missionaries figure this out? It helps our missionaries to pray for us because as God blesses us, we will be able to bless them financially. If our offerings are up, their support is up. 
So our mission support, now I know some people won't like that because you you want to make a commitment and you want to be able to, you know, someone to say, well, Pastor Foster, how would you like it if your, uh, if your giving was, uh, or if your monthly salary was tied to the, to the monthly giving of the church? Honestly, I'd probably make out better than I do right now. But I see what you're saying, and there's some validity to that. Again, no system is perfect, but what I do like is the fact that I don't have to stand up and arm twist and guilt trip people into above tithes and offerings giving. I just have to say, look, give faithfully, give generously, and our missionaries will be blessed. If you want to, everybody who gives participates in missions, uh, no matter who they are or how much they give. And I really like that. The point is, Every New Testament church, even small churches, can participate and should participate in gospel missions. We have missionaries who are um, based in the U.S. We have missionaries who are based on the foreign field. And this has been a difficult year, hasn't it, for missionaries? Uh, Some of our missionaries have really gone through the grinder. I mean, we talk about the difficulty we're having because of COVID here in the U.S., and some states are worse than others. Maine has ranked right up there with some of the most difficult restrictions because of COVID. But uh, some of our missionaries have faced um, uh, an insurmountable, um, insurmountable, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they've faced really big problems when it comes to COVID restrictions, uh, and uh, they don't have the underlying freedoms. We like to complain a lot in America about our constitutional freedoms being um, uh, hindered, and there's some validity to that, but imagine being a missionary in a country where there are no constitutional freedoms like that. There is no freedom of religion to even fight about. Right, so some of our missionaries have really struggled, um, and and we and this has been a tough year for them. But uh, we we no matter how large our church is, we should be participating in missions. I had dinner with a pastor um, uh, a few weeks ago. I met him for the first time, and we were having lunch, and we were talking about missions. And he said that he didn't think a church ought to ever give more than 10% of their income to missions. He thought that was more than sufficient, that the first mission of the church was just the town that they were in. Again, there's differences of opinion, differences of viewpoint when it comes to missions. For me personally, I would love, and I've challenged our church, I would love to see us get to the place where we could give 50 cents on every general fund dollar to missionaries. And when a missionary gets a support check from us, that it's significant, that it's a significant investment in their ministry. Well, I wonder what your missions program is, and if you're involved in missions. Missions programs are are varied. Um, churches have uh, programs where the only missionaries they support are church planting missionaries. Our missions program is church planting focused or local church focused, but we do support missionaries who aid in a local church. For example, we support a young lady by the name of Lorna Mitchell. Uh, who works in South Africa with the Burgies, and she she works at a children's home uh, with Little Fish Ministries, ministering to abandoned and orphaned children. That's a biblical model, isn't it? That's James. That's pure religion and undefiled before God. And so we wanted to partner with her in that. The Burgies ministering to orphans, but also church planting. So uh, each church can determine for itself within the boundaries of Scripture what their missions program ought to be. Certainly, I would think that any missions program that does not have the gospel at its core um, 
would be something that we might say, mm, that might be something I would give to individually or outside of church, but I'd like to make sure that our church's missions dollars are going to gospel-centric ministries with an emphasis on the local church. When it comes to missions, I like to, I want to see us be able to take on, and I do personally, as well as our church, support um, national uh, ministries in other countries. I like to give money to national churches and national pastors because I find that national ministries, national churches, and national pastors, a greater percentage of the money that I am contributing uh, is going directly to the ministry. It's not going to missionary overhead. Again, missionaries are sent out from one place to another. It's, it's, I think it's a biblical model to support an American missionary to a foreign country. But what if you could bless a foreign national pastor with, uh, who's, who's evangelizing his country, and you can send him money? He probably can do more with that money than the American missionary for a multitude of reasons. He doesn't have the, um, the paperwork requirements, the visa requirements. He doesn't have all the restrictions of being a foreigner uh, in a foreign country. He can work a job. He's he already knows how to live within the culture that he's in, and doesn't have already the needs and tastes that many uh, American missionaries have. So I'd like to have just a good mixture in our missions program of nationals and foreign missionaries, and then what we call home missionaries, home missions. We have several missionaries right now who are retired, who were faithful on the field for decades and now are in retirement back here in the States. But they're not sitting in a rocking chair. They're active in their local churches back here in the United States, and we still support them. And I think that's good because we made a commitment to them, they made a commitment to us, and they were faithful to serve the Lord for 20 and 30 years. And they haven't stopped serving the Lord simply because their missions board brought them home when they turned, I mean, seriously, when they turned 70, 75, they're home, they're still active. I'm going to keep pouring missions dollars into them because they're still faithfully uh, working within the gospel uh, of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the ministry or the gospel of the kingdom. And, uh, and spreading the gospel. So um, I, I, I don't like to get into too much debate over what the best missions program is, but I am focused in our church, and I want to encourage you guys as well to make sure that your missions program is structured in a way, or you're moving it to be structured in a way, that as many, as as high a percentage of every missions dollar that you send out is going to the work as possible. Some missions boards take a percentage off the top. Missions boards are a necessary evil, and I don't mean that they're evil. Please don't misunderstand that. Missionaries are necessary uh, in many countries. You can't just go as a, as, a, as a Christian into these countries as a missionary without having a sending agency, and not every country allows a local church to function as that missions board. And so missions boards have a purpose, and they do accomplish a necessary purpose, but many of them take a percentage of every missions check you write off the top before the rest of the money goes to missions. At every stage, when money is being like one fee after another, when it finally gets to the fee how much of that dollar is going into missions? I'm, I'm getting some information right now on a, uh, on a missions uh, program, and a missions endeavor, and one of the questions that I'm asking is, what percentage of my money that I'm sending, and I'm not talking about the church's money, I'm talking about me individually, if I want to partner with you, what percentage of my income is going to go to the work that you are doing? That's an important question that I want to ask personally, and I think when it comes to stewarding our missions dollars in our churches, that that is also an incredibly, incredibly important uh, question to ask. So 
missions. This is more of a kind of a nuts and bolts, just kind of a more of a, a ministerial type episode, not really dealing with any problems. But these are the two programs that I'm most familiar with. I have friends who are Southern Baptists who work within the cooperative program. I understand not everybody likes that. Again, I think that some good things happen there, but I, I, I want to be, I want to have as much control over the money that I'm sending to, to my missionaries as possible. I want our church to determine where its missions dollars go. And I want to make sure that as much as possible, as high a percentage of our, of our income can go to missions as possible. In your church, what percentage of your annual income goes to missions? Um, some churches use the tithe model, where people give a tithe, 10% of their income to the church, and then the church tithes off of that 10% to missions. Uh, I think the important thing is, one, are you giving to missions? Is missions a central focus of your ministry? And are you being as good of a steward as possible with the missions dollars that are being entrusted to you? So there's the cooperative program, there's the Faith Promise program, which I participated in, but I'm not as big of a fan of for the reasons that I've given to you. The current model that we use that I really, really like is a percentage of the general fund giving. Every a percentage of every dollar that is given, no matter who gives it, goes to, uh, to our missionaries at the end of each month. Uh, so our missionaries that we've taken on, and I've taken on some missionaries recently that are from a faith promise um, giving model, and they have enjoyed, they have appreciated what we do, and it does. They've told me, it helps us to pray for your church, because we know if God blesses your church financially, our ministry will also be blessed. But if you guys go through a hard time, we're going to go through that with you. Um, so that may be a reason, again, you may be listening and saying, nope, I want to make a commitment, I want our missionaries to know exactly what they're getting every single month. I hear you, I understand that, and that's not necessarily wrong. I just don't like oftentimes the amount of control and browbeating that has to take place in order to make sure if you go through a financial downturn in order to keep that, uh, that level of commitment up. So uh, whatever way you're doing it, uh, that's fine. Just I think it's important that we do it. In On Friday's episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about missionaries. I want to talk to you about pastors and dealing and interacting with missionaries, how to, how to deal with dropping a missionary from support when that becomes necessary, when to know to do that and how to go about it. That's never a pleasant thing. I want to talk about the problem of missionaries going around getting support and then they get to the field and turn around six months later in their home accepting a position as an assistant pastor or a pastor of a church in the States. It, there are a lot of frustrations that go along with that, and I want to talk to you and share with you some of the experiences that I've had in 16 years and my thoughts on it. Full disclosure, I've never been a missionary. Thought about it, prayed about it. Honestly, I just didn't want to go on deputation. So um, so that I'm not coming from a place of, here. I was a missionary, here's what I did. I just want to talk to you about it from a pastor's perspective and to try to encourage and to try to help you. But I hope I've gotten you thinking about missions uh, program or your missions program. I hope I've gotten you thinking about the financial aspect of it, and I just want to encourage you to be praying, to be talking with your congregation, to be seeking the Lord for how we can steward our resources to the greatest degree possible to be able to get the gospel out to the world. Look, money matters. Money answers all things. People cannot take the gospel to the world without money. They just can't. It takes money 
to get the gospel out. It took money to get the gospel out in Paul's day, too. I mean, read the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a fundraising fool, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but Paul knew how to raise money. Paul was not opposed to receiving money. He bragged on churches for, for, uh, for, for sending him money. Hey, he, he used one church's generosity to motivate the generosity of another church. Paul believed in getting the gospel out, but even the Apostle Paul in the first century church realized it takes money to get the gospel out to the world. I don't apologize for encouraging people. As I said, when I talked about pastors and their, and their income, I am way past being embarrassed about talking to Christians about money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I am not, as a pastor, going to uh, abdicate from my responsibility of paying attention to money, what people give, how often we give, what we're giving to things like where our offerings are, especially when it comes to something as fundamental and as important as missions dollars to help get the gospel out to a lost and a dying world. So, I'm not embarrassed to talk about it, and I want to encourage you to think about it and talk about it. Maybe your missions program is in need of revitalization, um, and maybe this will give you some ideas and some things to think about. If you have any questions or you would like to uh, to give me some feedback, send me an email, thispoorpastor at gmail.com. Now, I'm currently working on some ways that if you would like to support the work that I'm doing, you could do that. Certainly not with missions dollars, but if you wanted to buy me a cup of coffee, I would not complain. So there are some giving links in the description to this episode. If you would like to do that there, I've had some people donate financially. It's been a tremendous blessing. It encourages me. It helps me with the with the cost of equipment and the time that goes into preparing these, these episodes. I've got some other things in the works, but if you would like to support the work that I'm doing, it's not tax deductible. I don't want your tithes and offerings, but if you just want to say, hey, I'd like to give you some money to encourage you and to say thank you for the work that you're doing, you can certainly do that. PayPal. Venmo, there's a there's a donation option uh, through this podcast, uh, again, that you can set up a weekly or monthly donation. Look in the description, and if you want to do it, great. Otherwise, I'm going to continue to do this, uh, to do this uh, outreach and this ministry one way or another. But since some people have asked, there you go. And I appreciate whatever gift you can give. All right, I am going to be back next week with, or not next week, but I should be back Friday, Lord willing, with another episode. We're going to talk about missions, pick it up again, but we're going to talk specifically about missionaries and some of the dynamics between churches and missionaries, pastors and missionaries, and so forth. That should be a fun time. Looking forward to that. All right, guys, have a great week. Praying for you. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you Friday right here on another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast.